The name of the message is what we think and what I think, but I got offended. And so many of us have lived our lives by offense. Now stay with me and do not exit until it's time to go. We have lived our life based on offense. Every time we have relationships, every time we go somewhere, every time we do something, we're constantly offended by things. And so we live in a state of offense. Or my husband does this, my wife does that. There's a time and a place that every one of us have to get to a place that we recognize what offense is doing to us. We are. And Job was in that predicament. We know he lost great wealth, lost his family, all that goes along with that. We know the story. If you don't, just read the book of Job. And, and, uh, and he had a lot of questions about things. And you may have questions about things in your life. You may wonder, why does this keep happening to me? I don't understand. Am I doing something wrong? Is, was God bringing judgment upon Larry White, my neighbor, because all this sickness on his wife? Is God bringing judgment upon him because that? No, he isn't. Things happen I don't have an answer for, but I know one thing that we can't do. If you start blaming, you start looking for a reason on everything in life, you will begin to live with offense and you will become, you will have walls or or you'll build a grudge against anything that is positive that God could do in this situation. So offenses. This is not the way that things I thought would turn out. This is not what I had planned. I was life is very disappointing. Sickness struck my family, and God is responsible. Things are not fair. I'm offended because, why do people get offended? Why do I get offended? Why do you get offended? I'm going to say something, it might, it might hit you wrong a little bit, but if you really think about it, the reason we get offended is because we have ego. And something goes against what we think is exactly right, and many times our way we think and our ego gets in the way and it begins to complicate a lot of things that, we go, that we're going through. Your feelings are going to hurt, are going to be hurt. You know, what do you say when your kids come home and say, what well, isn't fair? They start complaining about something and complaining about this and a teacher or whatever. What do you tell your kids? Life's not fair. Get over it. If you constantly have excuses when you're little, you'll continue to have them when you're big. And then you make everybody who knows you aware of your predicament. How am I, how am I ever going to get over my offenses? Maybe somebody treated you wrong. Maybe they didn't, but you think they did. How am I ever going to get through this? How am I going to get over this? First of all, we have to examine ourselves. Why did that bother me? Why am I so upset because of this thing that's happened? And I'm going to tell you, the reason I got these traps up here, there's a a term, I heard several preachers talk about this, a scandalon. Uh, It's a bait, it's a trap. Now this trap right here was used in the church, trying to catch a little rodent. We had some big piece of cheese back here on the back, so guess what we were trying to catch? We don't have rats. We have big mice. And, but it never went off. It got the cheese or whatever, and it never went off. This one over here was for something a little bigger. What was I trying to catch with this one? Coon. Coons. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a teenager ask if they could try to get in it before service. It was your, grand, it was your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. 
A scandalon. It's a trap. It's a stumbling block. But it, most of all, we have to put something in there to attract these varmints we're trying to catch. We put bait. And it's amazing how many times we fall for the bait that's thrown before us, thrown before us and put in our life. We don't understand to, to disregard a lot of the bait. You know, my thinking is, there's food in here. You go through this door. If I had to go through a little door to get in something and get to bait, I probably wouldn't go. Now, that's going to go off in the service. I don't know when. Go to Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. And Jesus said to his, his followers, things that cause people to sin will happen. But how terrible for the person who causes them to happen. Let's go back and read in King James. It is impossible that offenses will come. It is not possible that you will go through your life and people don't say things that offend you. People won't do things that offend you. But what matters most is how you deal with the offense that you've been dealt with. How am I going to react? How am I going to respond? So many times, I've, a lot of things have happened over the many years, and I've always told people, keep your, pay, keep your peace. Remain silent. Keep your integrity. Don't, you don't have to respond every time somebody says something that's contrary to what you think is right or something that bothers you because we can all walk around with a lot of offenses. And probably you come in here today, and there's some offenses in your life. You may not even be aware of it, but there's been enough things in your life that, you, that turned you off that you walk around with a big chip on your shoulder wondering for the next offense to come. Don't get caught up in all the drama. If there's one age group and one particular uh, sex, about 12-year-old to 15-year-old girls, there's a, there's a lot of drama with girls. A lot of drama. Matter of fact, they don't have to be 13. They don't have to be 12. My wife and I have been blessed with six grandkids. Really our blessing. We have five girls and only one boy. I could not imagine having six walkers. Could not. You cannot imagine having five girls. There's a lot of drama there. Okay. Don't be surprised when you get, don't be surprised when you're caught up in thinking you're the only one that experiences this. We've all experienced it. Every single one of us have had things that happen that, that, that offends us or, or, or rubs us wrong or makes us feel weird or whatever. But how are you going to deal with the offenses that you've been dealt with? The, uh, here's the case. Here's the scenario. You have a trap. You know what it is. You know what's coming. You know what it is. You know what's in it. It's going to hurt you, and they're going to do something with you after they catch you. They're going to take you out and do what? Let you go some, on somebody else's property, right? Well, maybe, maybe not. But the enemy is out to, to put a, something out up here to draw your attention or something to offend you. And once it, you get offended and you take the bait and you begin to dwell on it or you go through the, the, the routine of dealing with this offense with your immaturity or your attitude or what you say, it becomes a trap and you are ensnared. And the longer you're in it, the more ensnared you become. Don't fall 
for the scandal on in your life because it's coming. You may think, I've never been offended. I'm with you my whole life and not offended. You will be. Somewhere down the road, you're going to be offended. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do something that offends you, and it turns you off. So how do you deal with it then? You avoid everything that has to do with this person because they offended you? There's a, let me tell you, there was a big-time trap involved in this. And it happens, and it has the potential to happen to every one of us. We have to be aware, we have to be keenly in tune with what we're going through and what we're facing this for. There's a guy by the name of King Saul. We're going to go to there in just a minute. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, King Saul was, was a, come from nothing, nothing. And he was put into a place, a position he didn't really want it, but after he got it, he became prideful, became arrogant in his leadership, in his guidance. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Verse 26, but Samuel said to Saul, I won't go back with you. You rejected the Lord's command, and now he rejects you as, as king of Israel. Listen, this guy was someone who was very in tune. He had even give, he would prophesy. The Lord had given him words of knowledge. He would he'd proclaim them and tell them. But over a period of time in his life, he slowly began to fade because of his offense. And he began to do things as he wanted because he's the king. And who, can, who reigns over him? Nobody. He can do what he wants. He was in his position. He became totally somebody he wasn't in the beginning. At one time, he was so anointed and so touched and so moved upon by God. But at this point in his life, he's, he's being confronted because he had done something that he wasn't supposed to do. As Samuel turns to leave, Samuel caught, and tore, caught his robe and tore, and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord hath torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and given it to one of your neighbors who is better than you. The Lord is eternal. Lord eternal. The Lord is the eternal one of Israel. He does not lie or change his mind. He is not human, so he does not mind. He does not change his mind. I'll just stop for just a second. He didn't know this, but he got offended. He already had a wrong attitude. The way he was thinking was wrong, and he'd become corrupted because of whatever he whatever it was, you know, maybe people's accolades or whatever. It went to his head, he began to think wrong. But then when this happened, he said, God has ripped the kingdom from you. He took that wrong too. Instead of ever repenting, he continued down the path. Verse 27. Then Samuel said, bring King Agag of the Amalekites. And Agag came to Samuel and changed, but Agag thought surely the threat of death has passed. Samuel said, your sword made... Your sword made mothers lose their children. Now your mother, and now your mother will have no children. So Samuel cut Agag in pieces before the Lord, and the Lord left him. And so Samuel left and went to Ramah, and saw up to his home in Geba. Geba. And Samuel never saw Saul again the rest of his life, but he was sad for Saul, and the Lord was very sorry he had made Saul the king of Israel. The reason I read all that was this reason. There was something that was, this was setting in motion in Saul's life. A little bit of dysfunction, maybe a mistake. He began to do things out of order. 
I don't know what, what all the details that he had done were, but there was something that he had done that, in his attitude. And it began to set a series of events in his life in a, in a bad place. We know he disobeyed God. He told him that when you kill the Amalekites, you kill them all, kill the, the husbands, the wives, the, the kids. I know it sounds terrible. And the, the king yourself and get rid of all the animals. Don't take anything. Yet he saved the king and it was a, kind of a pride factor. They would, they, when they conquered a king, they would do a lot of things to him. And he was bound with chains, we know. But they would put hooks in their jaws, lead them around with, with uh, hooks in their jaws and just a prideful reason. Look what I've overcome. I want you to notice in verse 30. We didn't read that. I'm going to go back to it. And Saul answered, I sinned, but please honor me in front of the older leaders of my people in front of the Israelites. Come back with me so I can worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back. I don't know why he went back, but I know he did. There was something going on in, in Saul's life. He even had pride in, in, in him coming back. It made him feel accepted that he wasn't, maybe the kingdom wasn't taken away from him. But he was dealing with a lot of things because of this offense. And he only, only became offended because of his behavior, because things he was doing was wrong. In pride, he was doing a lot of things. Verse 34 and 35, never again would Saul approach Saul. Would Samuel approach Saul? And never again would he approach Samuel. You may be thinking, where, where's he going with this? What's he, what happened in Saul's life was detrimental. He never took care of the offense that he felt towards Samuel. The things that was going on in his life, he thought because he was a king, he would continue to go on. And things would always, God would just work it out. It would be okay. But it really wasn't. Samuel was... Back in this time of Israel's history, the people would go to certain people. Like Samuel was a prophet at that, not Samuel. Yeah, Samuel was a prophet at that time. And people went to him, and he would pray, and God would give him answers. And so Saul didn't have this anymore. He didn't have it. He thought he could survive and do just fine with, with being the king. But let me tell you, when you can't, when people can't come to a place of repentance and come to a place of acknowledging their, uh, their offense, they began to look for other things to, to recompense or, or other things to uh, get things under control and, and repent in a, in a sense with what he does. Let me just go to it. In chapter 16, chapter 16, verse 14. But the Lord's spirit had left Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So Saul's servant said to him, see the spirit... See, an evil spirit from God is troubling you. Give us the command to look for someone who can play the harp. And when the evil spirit of God troubles you, he will play and you will feel better. So Saul's servant said, find someone who can play for him, play well and bring him to me. One of the servants said, I have seen the son of Jesse in Bethlehem playing his harp. He is brave and courageous. He is a good speaker and handsome and the Lord is with him. So verse 19, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse saying, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse loaded up the donkey with bread and and leather bag full of wine and a young goat, and he sent him on his way to King Saul. And David came to Saul and began to serve him. And Saul liked him and made him the officer who carried his armor and sent a message to Jesse saying, Let David stay and serve me because I like him. And when the evil spirit from God troubled Saul, 
David would play his harp, sing and play a harp, and the evil spirit would leave him. Oh, just, just a minute. I get thinking about this. It sounds really good, and he called somebody who was godly and someone who, who um, worshipped the Lord. He was free to worship. He was known to be a great worshiper. But what did Saul need? He didn't need a worshiper. He needed to go back to a place of Samuel and repent to Samuel. Talk to Samuel. Get things squared away and get things back where they needed to be. But he was too prideful because he was offended at what Samuel said to him. You see, many times we want to go and maybe it's okay to have praise and worship. And I'll tell you, it is the greatest tool that we have, a great tool that we have in our defense spiritually. But don't think that you can maintain overcoming offense by how you worship. You can't overcome offense by attending church. You can't overcome offense and get out of the cage, if you will. But the things that are fun. You know, it says an evil spirit of the Lord, and really, the Lord had left his presence. An evil spirit had moved in to King Saul. You may not think there's an evil spirit in him, but I'll tell you this. When you're living with offense and you constantly, every time you go somewhere and every time you do something, every time somebody says something, there's a reaction. There's a spirit of offense that is upon you. And it is burdening you down. It is weighing you down. He sought for an appeasement, music instead of confrontation with Samuel. He needed a place to reconcile and repent of what he had in his attitude and what he'd done wrong, but he refused to. He began to seek the man of Instead of seeking the man of God, he sought out music to calm the beast within. And music is a great weapon, but let me tell you, repentance is the only way to get through certain things that have strongholds in our life. You've heard me talk about the importance of an altar. This altar is always open. But if you never use it, there's not a place of deliverance in your life. We can praise and worship and flip on your radio and your CD or whatever, or your YouTube. It may make you feel better, but you still have the same problem occurring in your life all the time. Are you with me? 2 Samuel, chapter 28. I said 2 Samuel, it's 1 Samuel, chapter 28. <clears throat> See, you, you may be offended by my words today. I'll tell you, there's been, I'm talking to Ron a couple weeks ago or last week or sometime, and there's, been so many things up on my mind as far as sermons and and offense, dealing with offense and being offended all the time. Something that became a, a strong impression upon my mind about things that we get offended. And you go through the scripture, and Jesus talks about offense a lot. Oh man, it's time. Let me just tell you this. In First Samuel chapter twenty-eight. Saul dabbled with something he never, ever thought he would dabble with. 
and he waited too late to talk to Samuel because Samuel was already dead. Y'all can come back up. Chapter 28, verse 7. Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go to her and ask her what will happen. In other words, help me find a witch. And his servants answered, there is a, a medium in indoor or a witch in indoor. And, the, and Saul put on clothes to disguise himself. And then not, he sent two of his men to see the woman. And she, he said to her, talk to a spirit and bring up the person thy name. And the woman said to him, surely thou know what Saul has done. And has forced the mediums or the witches and the fortune tellers from the land. You are trying to trap me and get me killed. And Saul made a promise to the woman in the name of the Lord that as surely as the Lord lives, you won't be punished for this. And the woman asked, whom do you want me to bring up? And he answered, bring up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. She said, why have you tricked me? You are Saul. I'm not going to go into a big debate about what took place at this time. But let me tell you something. Never in his wildest imaginations, this had been many years later, he couldn't get an answer from God. He couldn't get a direction from God. He couldn't get peace about any decision he had to make. So he said, I'll just call up Samuel from the dead. And this witch or this, this incantation person, she, she began to conjure up this spirit. And Saul came forward. Not Saul, but Samuel came forward. He was confused. But he knew there was only one answer for him. And he was too late to talk to Samuel. And he never, ever thought that he would get in a Ouija board or call 1-800-SALLY or whatever it is. Soothsayer, that girl, whatever her name is. He was desperate for God's presence, but he was offended. He was desperate for God's presence, but he had lived a life of offense. So I didn't mention this. From the time David was in there initially in, in, his, in the kingdom, he began to try to kill David. Why did he try to kill David? Because he was offended at David. He was offended at what he'd done and what he accomplished and what, he, what he was, God equipped him with. And Saul was jealous and he was offended. He waited too late, but he needed God's direction. So he resorted to a witch. He thought that God had forsaken him. I don't think he had. I know what scripture says that, but God is not willing that any would what? But he knows some people are too thick-skulled or too hard-headed to come to a place of repentance. And if you went through your whole life accusing and blaming everybody else, there is no answers through talking about accusing or offenses. Man, Saul lost everything. He lost his kids in battle. His own life he lost in battle. He lost all of his property. He lost his name about being respected as the king of Israel because nobody did anymore. And it was all because he was offended. And I've thought about us. Many of us walk around with offense or always got a chip on our shoulder because something's wrong. Stop. You're digging a grave for your life, and a miserable life. God does not want you to walk with offense.
All your life may have been a response to offense. Maybe you were treated right as a little kid. Maybe you were sexually abused. Maybe you were neglected. I don't know. And it may be very true. It probably is. I can relate a little bit to some of that. But it's no reason to keep living with the offense. Dim the lights just a little. Maybe no one knows what, where an offense occurred, the offense occurred in your life. But it has affected you today. You came into church maybe thinking, how am I going to respond? Just another church service, just a place to go. It's amazing how our past keeps dominating our present. You see, the offense was a trap. It's a scandal on in your life, and it's a scandal on in mine. And I can choose to embrace it and live a trapped life and live confined all my life. Or I can choose to lay it down and give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to be confined. I don't want to be obstructed. I don't want to be hesitant in my worship to you.